Welcome to Late Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Meredith. Hello. How's it going? Uh, it's okay. You know, I am uh, I'm experiencing a unfortunate side effect of aging today. Mm-hmm. I went bowling yesterday, which was very fun. Mm-hmm. But... This morning, I am now very sore. From bowling. From bowling. That's interesting. That would be disappointing for me personally. The next day, I would be like, oh, really? Yeah. I'm like, why? What? I didn't use these. What was I doing? Huh. What, what is sore? Your arm? Your back? No. Uh, like a muscle. Like one of my leg muscles. Sort of like my huh. like one of my glutes. And also, yes, my wrist is sore. But I think that's because... None of the bowl, like none of the balls actually were the right size for uh, my tiny midget <laughs> hands. And uh, so I have a little bit of soreness there. But yeah, yeah. I, this is not completely a one to one comparable example, but I recently did a smash room with some friends yeah. and very fun, would recommend. However, the least fun aspect of it for me was there was a sledgehammer that you could use to break shit. And that sounds really fun, right? Because it's like, wow, it's really heavy. It would like explode this shit. And it does. But it's such a workout. Like the next day, my arm was so sore. I'm like this. It feels like I was in the gym for three hours. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we try and take pretty decent care of ourselves. And yet... And yet, the ravages of time, you can't escape it. It's going to happen to everybody, including you. This is our Halloween episode where we're just like, you two are going to get old. Yeah. Don't worry about us. Like, we talk about horror and gore all the time. Nope. What we are really into right now, the horrors of aging. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It uh, is inevitable. You can't escape it. Sorry. You're like... One day you're the young person making fun of the olds and the next day you're the olds and it's going to happen to you too. Anytime I see like a Gen Zer make fun of millennials, I'm like, oh man, Gen Alpha is gunning for you. Yeah. You <laughs> don't even know it. Just wait. Just wait, babies. Uh, so I just wanted to remind everyone again that I imagine it's this way everywhere, but certainly here in New York City, you can vote. Early voting is open. I just voted this morning. And, you know, I know you guys all know this, but in case you're like a new voter or you haven't been voting, I don't know why, recently, um, it's so gratifying because, like, first of all, everybody who works at a polling station is a volunteer, right? So they're already so nice. Yeah, they're the nicest people in the world. They're so excited to see you. You feel like a Democratic hero when you show up. They're, like, so excited to see you. Everybody thanks you for voting. You get a dang sticker. You feel like you accomplished something. So, like, just do it so you feel good. It's, like, a, a good way to start your morning. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I did I did my early voting on Tuesday, first day of early voting here in Wisconsin, and yeah, walked in. All of the people were super nice. They explained everything. I got filled in, and then just it's done. And uh, I felt wonderful about it. You like, feel oh. really accomplished, yeah. So yeah. go do that if you can. If not, no worries. Just vote in the general election. Also, I wanted to announce we're both on Letterbox now. Uh, so you 
should follow us there. Do you remember your display name? On yeah, it's Twitter? Meredith L. Clark, same as me on Twitter and on Instagram. So oh, that's right. You need to okay. find me. Um, and mine, same deal. It's just my name, Allison Kilkenny, and we're posting reviews and stuff, so you can go check that out. I love it. I don't know why I procrastinated <laughs> starting a letterbox for so long, but it's now my jam. And of course it is like, because it's made for us, but I don't know. I don't know why for so long I put it off. I know I did the same thing and it's so deeply soothing. Um, except for the moments when I realized just how many films I've just logged once I've gone into <laughs> like a random fugue state and suddenly I'm like, Oh, I've, how do I have time to do literally anything else ever? You were so funny because I opened my account first and then you opened yours and you started logging. And I was like, LOL, I've logged so many films. And then you were like, me too. I've logged over 200. How many of you logged? I was like, what the fuck, Meredith? (laughs) Oh, I'm pretty sure I'm at like 15 or 1600 now. Oh my God. I had like maybe done 30 and I was like, oh, I'm so obsessed. And you were like, over 200. holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's so fun. If you should just like get a letterbox account too, especially if you're listening to the show now that it's like a majority uh, review podcast, clearly you like pop culture and films and television. You can also review television on letterbox. Hate to tell you, hate to tell you that because it'll eat up even more time. But you can also review TV shows. Um, but yeah, follow us over there for good times. And I try to be like lightly funny in my reviews because I'm like, if you're going to read like a two sentence review, it should make you chuckle, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, this is a great way to, uh, you know, since we're going to talk about the movie Decision to Leave today, yes. uh, our friend Tommy, uh, who is Strange Strings on Letterboxd, uh, reviewed Decision to Leave and he said, pretty good movie, but. It's super unrealistic that this cop encountered fentanyl and didn't immediately freak <laughs> out and have a, re- you know, suddenly like go talk to the press about all of the dangers. And I really enjoyed that he decided to do that particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, it's a good time. It's basically I've noticed a correlation between me raving about like a quote unquote new social platform and, you know, diminished communication if that makes sense so like facebook was like and twitter like hyper communication with your followers they can tweet you whenever they can like quote tweet you instagram was a little better because like you can leave a comment on instagram but it's not quite as flowing and now letterbox is just like there's no communication and i'm like this is very peaceful i like it over here (laughs) just don't talk to me is what i'm saying um that's not true if you know if you're not a complete weirdo, talk yeah. to me. Um, well, and I mean, speaking of that, we need to have some peace because Twitter is boring now because uh, it's, it's just sucks. people complaining about Elon. I don't care. And listen, I, he who shall not be named tweeted me the other day, <laughs> um, a journalist, and he was very mad at me and he was screeching in my mentions that I don't care enough about Elon Musk taking over Twitter and I very patiently tried to explain to him is we have been reporting Nazis to Twitter for over a decade and they have not done shit. 
So I recognize it's going to get worse under Elon Musk. But if you're like, he's ruining our pure safe space. Like, where have you been, my dude? Like, this place has sucked since jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh, it's so annoying. But yeah, like, wow, what a amazing, amazing take. Elon Musk gets involved in something and it's going to get worse. Of course, you fucking idiot. It always gets worse because he inherited everything he's he's ever had and he's not qualified to run anything so of course like it's not some amazing prediction to be like it's going to get worse under elon musk no shit yeah this is just and i don't know i mean i've made some friends i've made a lot of friends over twitter i've done a lot of fun things but like i don't know it's just i don't it's boring like put aside the elon musk stuff which is all anybody's talking about now. And it's so fucking echo chambery and boring. Like it's just people saying the same thing over and over again, which is it's going to get worse under Elon Musk. And it's like, no shit, no shit, no shit. Like what's to be done about it. But like, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's the same handful of people who tweet so much. Mm-hmm. And then like, people retweeting that i don't know like i know that also is not a a hot take to be like twitter's an echo chamber but it it feels as though the echo chamberness of it has gotten way worse yeah absolutely and it's just you know touch grass guys let's just enjoy while it's still not winter yeah and like you know what it is i think Twitter used to be interesting and then all the interesting people left and they're doing like interesting things in real life and it's like the chum that's left over you know oh yeah that's about right (laughs) i honestly yeah like i know a lot of people who they still have twitter but they don't they're not on it as obsessively as they used to be which is kind of how i use it now like i'll check it maybe like once or twice a day but i'm not doom scrolling anymore which is great for my mental health i also don't watch 24-hour news anymore for the same reason but yeah i just twitter is fucking boring now Mm -hmm. and like i don't know if that's just like us aging out of i don't know i don't know but like i tweet or i texted you the other day because i was like is this in my head or is it like bad now and you were like yeah it's boring yeah (laughs) like oh okay i don't feel crazy at least no you're not crazy not at all so you haven't seen triangle of sadness no right no i've not yet seen triangle of sadness not yet seen tar not yet seen banshees of inna sharon um okay but that does not mean you can't talk about them i'll Uh, just be very very vague and i'll be brief about it just because like i know it's not fun to like (laughs) like you can't i mean i guess you're very knowledgeable about films so like i know you can pontificate about like these creators and stuff so um but triangle of sadness i enjoyed it I will say of all of the films I've seen recently who have like Oscar buzz that are considered to be like very hot. Like as you mentioned, Tar, I saw Banshees. We both saw Decision to Leave. I'll say of like that group, that seems like they're going to like, you know, get nominated for a lot of awards. I'm coolest on Triangle of Sadness. Mm -hmm. Only because, and when I say cool, I mean like three stars out of five. You know, like it's, it's a solid film, but I'll say... I didn't find it particularly insightful about like the social critiques it's trying to make all feel to me to be like a decade too late. Yeah. yeah. Um, Like rich influencers on a yacht, you know, like the hot girl taking a photo of her food, the pasta, but then not eating it. I'm like, yeah, like I don't 
think this is particularly insightful or original, this observation we're making. Like, did you know rich people suck? Mm. They suck, guys. And wouldn't it be funny if we saw them all covered in shit? Like, wouldn't that be fun? And it's like, yeah, I guess. Like, I guess it's, like, kind of amusing. But I think what saves it is the third act of Triangle of Sadness, which is, like, a very rare thing to say. Because usually the third act of films, uh, if it doesn't fall apart, it's definitely, like, the weakest act. Um, but I wanted to sh- shout out Dolly DeLeon, who people are hoping she'll um get a best actress win from it because or best supporting actress win from it because she like rules the third act she's very very funny it's a subtle performance but the third act of triangle of sadness does go to an interesting place i won't spoil it for everyone but i would recommend triangle of sadness for the third act which is a rare thing to say but up until then you might be a little like okay like did you know that models are dumb? Like there's like some very, very obvious or eye rolly aspects of it. Like to me, it feels like the invention of Woody uh, Harrelson's character as like a communist captain of this luxury lot yacht. I'm like, I don't know who this person is. I think he just exists. So we at some point can have a political debate between a communist and a capitalist because the writer thinks that's funny. Yeah. Well, and let's also, I guess like this is a good time to mention that this director is Swedish. Um, Mm. So there's an element of, okay, this might also be making fun of, you know, there's an element of like, well, we're not being subtle right now to, uh, because we like, this is for, you know, we want the Americans to know we're making fun of them. Yeah, Ruben Ostlund. Yeah. I'm uh, and sure I really I'm not did like his movie The Square, which was also a very obvious but very enjoyable take on the art world. But then again, like I'm enough of a Philistine that I'll watch anything that's <laughs> a take on the art world. <laughs> right. Right. Well, it's funny you mention this because, you know, we're going to get to Banshees of Inishirin in a second. Speaking of somebody like observing American culture from the outside, um, I'm, of course, thinking of three billboards, but we'll get to that in a second. Just because, like, I think (laughs) I sometimes struggle with, like, a foreign director, writer observing American culture. Because to me, you can always see the seams. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, you're clearly not from this culture. So you're making very general, obvious commentary on stuff that probably has been skewed better by Americans because of course we have like firsthand knowledge of it yeah and we notice trends faster and then make entertainment about it so by the time they make a political observation or a satirical observation it's so general that it's it's not insightful you know yeah yeah agreed um and that's how I feel about most of Triangle of Sadness but then it gets very very um you know they they in improv, you say you blow out the funny idea, like by the third beat of it, that they just like take it to a place that is so beyond <laughs> anything that I'd seen before that I was like, okay, this is cool. I like this. Um, but having said, I, you know, because I teased it and because you didn't see it, Meredith, yet, I'll also recommend Banshees of Inishir. And I saw that last night. Um, yeah, it, it's exactly what everyone has been saying, which is at least right now, it seems like Colin Farrell might be favored to win the Oscar. Of course, 
everything can change in the blink of an eye. But having seen the performance now, it's so made for the Academy. I feel like at this point, it's between him and Brendan Fraser, you know? Yeah. Um, just because those two perform, I, I'm sure I haven't seen The Whale yet. I'm sure Brendan is great too, but they both very much feel like made for the Academy films. Um, Martin McDonough is like a, a much beloved playwright, screenwriter, multiple um, time Oscar winner for many things. I mean, the guy knows yeah. how to do this, you know, to and to appeal. You know, I've heard some people say that they're wondering, and I think even you said this that. It's like, will the Irishness of this one go mm. over Oscar voters' heads? Since I did not care for three belt billboards at all, but they like, right. voters loved it. So I do have questions there. But, you know, it's the dream team. It's Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. It's Barry Keegan. It's... Uh, Keown, I found oh, out Keown, today. sorry. Uh, which I am just so excited for because I am so predictable and this is very much my shit. It's like, you couldn't get, yes. the only way you could get more of my shit is if I was watching um, Killing of a Sacred Deer, which is a Yorgos <laughs> movie with Colin Farrell and Baby Barry Keaton. <laughs> and the strangest tone to that film, like all of uh, Yorgos's films, like very, very hard to describe. I was talking with someone last night about Banshees and he is also Irish American and he also like saw it as soon as he could um, and like took a little flask of Jameson into the theater, like truly like as Irish as he could. Yeah. Um, and I was like, what do you think about the humor of it all? And he's like, you mean that it's so dark? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I do wonder about that because we get that tone. And like, I know obviously you don't have to be like, Irish or Irish American, but like you also have a dark sense of humor, Meredith. So I know you'll get it. But there was definitely a couple moments where I was laughing, and there was an older woman next to me who was horrified and like audibly making noises, like, oh my God. Like she was not enjoying it. And I was sort of like, oh, maybe I don't know, like if it's going to have enough mainstream appeal for, to do well at the Oscars. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But that's okay because I think there's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see what happens. I mean, I, as long as it gets appreciated and I get to see it, uh, because of course this is very much like my kind of movie that will make me happy. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, I definitely think Colin will at least get nominated. Um, it's a really, really dark, obviously dark comedy, but very sweet and poses an interesting question about like, one's legacy like the whole central moral debate of of the film is what do people remember when you're gone yeah. and there's this fundamental disagreement between colin and brendan's characters which is brendan obviously feels as though people remember what you've created so he's a musician and he's like this is going to be my legacy i'm working on my masterpiece that will exist beyond my years i need peace to do this i need you to leave me alone for fucking ever, right? Um, Colin is his belief is that if you're kind to people and you're a good friend, they'll remember you. Yeah. So it's like and what you do, it's like what you've made versus what you do. Exactly. And it's an interesting debate. And you know, the film's only two hours, so I think it does a really effective job of, you know, immersing you in this very, very sleepy, small 
Irish community and you feel how like small the community is and you feel that desperation when like Colin feels like he's being cut off, why he would keep pursuing this person who clearly does not want to be his friend so aggressively because it's like he doesn't have a lot of socialization options. You know, he lives with his sister. Barry's a fucking weirdo in this movie. Like he is in every movie, but he's so funny. Um, and yeah, I just like solid performances all around. Charming as fuck. Yeah, for me, like in in knowing what I know about the Academy, I was just kind of like, yep, 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 yep. Nominations. Everybody's getting nominated. Um, so let's get to decision to leave since we both saw that. Meredith, general thoughts. How did you feel about decision to leave? I really enjoyed it. I thought that uh, it was both a really fun sort of interesting mystery and a surprisingly moving and affecting uh, dreamy like romance. Like it had this very, I, I was just really engrossed by it in a way that I that sort of has sat with me for the last few days um, that I wasn't expecting because I thought, oh, okay. Yeah. Some parts I like. Also, I was I laughed really hard, and I felt really, really, really privileged that the the people that saw it at the screening I was at also laughed really hard. Like there were they. It was a it was a free screening uh, that was at the university before the night before it actually opened here, but that meant that it was packed with students and old people and me and my friend and a couple other like random cinephiles that I happen to know in town. Uh, so it was we were primed to actually giggle. And that was, I thought that was my favorite part was that it was a movie that had a lot, it was like serious ultimately, but it did not shy away from being hilarious. Yeah. That surprised me. And I, I feel like this frustrating thing happens when films, especially foreign films are trying to like attract the attention of the Academy where they're almost like self-consciously trying to hide the fact that their film is also funny. Mm -hmm. Um, like, I think Triangle of Sadness is really the only one that is playing up. Like, this is a fucking funny movie. You should see it with a big crowd. But, like, Banshees of Inisherin is a very funny film. And they're a little self-conscious about it. And Decision to Leave has fucking laugh-out-loud parts that you don't see at all in the trailer. And I no. was really pleasantly surprised. I was pleasantly surprised about how funny it was. But also what you were talking about, that sort of like Hitchcockian tone. I yeah. had seen some people say like, this is very Hitchcock, but watching it, I was like, oh damn it. Like it, re not in like a ripoff way, but a clever homage and kind of modernization of, of the Hitchcock. Yeah. yeah. It feels, you know, my friend and I were talking about this. There does, it, I felt like heavy overtures towards vertigo. Yes, very much. Uh, but in a way that didn't feel like that actually felt like, okay, Park Chan-wook, like obviously one of the most famous and, uh, well-known Korean directors has made tons of movies that people love. Uh, he, you know, it was very much like, okay, I don't have anything to prove. I don't need to actually like telegraph that I'm doing this. Uh, so he really like made his own version of this and I thought that that came together really nicely because it felt uh culturally specific and got at a sense of alienation that didn't feel uh like it was aggressively speaking to western audiences 
Yes, I completely agree. Um, I really thought uh, Park directed the, the anything to do with like, and you were talking about this with Vertigo, but like height, like there's um, this is obviously like it's a murder mystery. So it opens with the discovery of a body at the base of this like very, very, very tall mountain or cliff. And there's some like spectacular scenes where you just feel how high up they are that is like I very was very upset <laughs> I was I, I don't have a fear of heights and I was still like I felt pretty nauseous because I was like this is, feels so real and like especially when there's like way out at the edge of the cliff I'm like come back please I'm like very nervous right now um but I wanted to shout out Tang Wei specifically she she's sort of like the the femme fatale um, star of this film and the central premise of this film is basically like you go back and forth on if she has killed her husband or not and there's like many other discoveries throughout the film about this woman's history and what she has done that forces you to kind of like fluctuate between like oh I, I don't think she did it and oh maybe she did but maybe she did it for like valid reasons you know um, and I think like the film really, really hangs on her performance. Like obviously, oh, absolutely. Park, yeah. uh, I'm so sorry if I mispronounce any of these names, but Park Hae-il, uh, her counterpart, the the male lead of the film, who is the detective, he's great. He's so good. But I was like captivated by her. Um, and she does a lot of like silent acting and she's like responding to him or watching him or like processing information that like, She's really mesmerizing. So I wanted to shout her out specifically because if like she had not worked in this film, I don't think I would have been like on the edge of my seat quite as much. Um, but having said that, I do have like one small critique and it's not really of the film. It's how people are talking about the film. And yes. I think it just speaks to how fucking starved we are for romance in are blockbuster films or films in general in the United States because I saw more than a few critics refer to Decision to Leave as the most romantic film of the year. And I was watching it and I was like, there's certainly a romance in it, obviously, uh, between the detective and the femme fatale. But I was like, people were like, it's the sexiest film of the year. And I was like, is it? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think it's interesting. And I think they have chemistry. And this isn't a knock on the actors at all. Like, I think they're doing a great job. But people were, like, salivating over this. And I was like, oh, my God, we are starved in the United States for any kind of good romance. And Because I was like, it's solid, but it's nothing I would like. That is not how I would describe Decision to Leave, you know? Yeah. It does feel a little bit to me like... There's this, honestly, I think it's a little bit racist. I'm just going to put this out there because I think that there is this desire to always be looking for the next in the mood for love. Mm. And first of all, nothing will ever be as sexy as in the mood for love. I have not that, seen. Uh, Wong Kar Wai, Tony Long, Maggie Chung, mm. 1960s set. It is truly like un like you can feel the humidity. Um, the scenes in Everything Everywhere All at Once, where Michelle Yao is a um, film star and she runs into her husband and Amazing. he's like single. That is a direct homage to the 
like in the mood for love in the films that like oh okay wise like aesthetic um this you like, just mentioned yeah. everything everywhere all at once and I pictured that scene and I got chills <laughs> yeah so um but I think that there is this desire like to there's just this sense that like every any movie that is sexy and has two Asian protagonists yeah automatically becomes like set against that and I think okay. it's then so that that's kind of why I think people might be saying that interesting it is yeah. sexy but it's not and they are sexy and there is a lot of wonderful tension but I didn't think it was actually the most romantic I'll be honest like the scenes that work the best for me are and I think they're very cleverly shot to where he is surveilling her and sometimes he is standing in her apartment to like symbolize mm-hmm. him watching her. I thought those scenes were so well done and it's so weirdly intimate that yeah. that really worked for me. I was like, okay, this is, well, this and, is hot. And then when she kind of like flips that around on him as well. Yes. And she's yes, doing yes, that. Yes. There's um, that, like the use of those observations, like that was very clever. And I liked that a lot. Um, I, you know, it was, it's just beautifully done. There's a lot of really, like, even though it's taking place in Busan and like, there's all of this, like, it, it's not stereotypically shot, like, you know, urban Korea. There's some gorgeous, 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 um, vistas that end up mm-hmm. like the mountains, the, the, uh, the coast, like beautiful stuff. Um, it was I thought it was, I thought it was really, really nicely done. And there is that, you know, I, and I love a movie where the question is like, did she do it? Didn't she mm. do it? Like, yeah. Um, anything they can still play interest, like in an intriguing way on, is she playing the cop or is there something like, is there a tragic backstory or is it both? Like, and it builds really nicely. Like to, there's a, uh, a culminating shot that I won't give away that is like the moment where he basically just puts all of his trust into her and he's like well you're either a murderer or you're not and I'm about to find out that is like so thrilling and the way it ends felt very like earned like we have been building momentum and here it is and like is very I thought very very effectively done yeah yeah so I would say I, I highly recommend it. Um, it's just, uh, you know, if you've seen Old Boy or Lady Vengeance or any of his other, or The Handmaiden, this is just another excellent film, well done movie that he is exploring another element of genre um, that isn't quite like anything else he's done. So it's just, uh, you know, another win for, for Park out here. <laughs> Yeah, and hopefully they'll get love during uh, the Oscars. I hope so. It seems like, again, that is sort of like building um, to happen. They're getting like more and more positive reviews, which is great. I do have like one other critique of the film, just because I thought it was odd because there was so much effort putting into humanizing Tang Wei's character and like fleshing her out as a real person. I thought the detective's wife was mm-hmm. like really underwritten in a, in a very strange way and very self-consciously like she she's barely in the film we don't really know a lot about her but then they chose to make her like a nuclear scientist well, and that yeah felt like an effort to make her interesting or different and I was just like ooh, like 
any scene she was in, I was sort of like, I would really like to know like how this woman is feeling because her husband clearly is like obsessed with this. Are they married? They're married, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Married. Um, he's clearly obsessed with this woman and it's like, I don't know. I would just have liked a little more from the wife. Yeah. Well, it, it's almost like they, because she's a nuclear scientist, that's like why she's supposed to be so, it was like an excuse for her to be a rigid, but not very well developed character. Like you didn't exactly. get any interiority because she's saying like, Oh, you're struggling with putting, you want to have a cigarette. I'm going to get you this, uh, route that will help you, uh, you know, help your cravings or I'm going to do this. Like there's always an answer, but then, you know, you don't get a sense of what's really going on. And I felt like that was a missed opportunity. Um, because yes, like it, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And of course, like, you know, I'm just picking nits because it's largely such a successful film, but like, there's just like a couple little things that like stopped it from being five stars for me, but like four and a half. It's like, mm-hmm. it's an excellent film. Highly recommended. Um, you know, just had a couple notes as one does, but um, because we're in the month of spooky and in fact, tomorrow is actually Halloween. I hate a Monday Halloween guys. I have felt like I have been celebrating since Thursday because no one knew what day to pick to do shit, you know? So it was like, do we do something Friday? And then somebody else was like, what about Saturday? And it's like, oh, God, I guess it's all weekend now. <laughs> because <laughs> Fucking Halloween's on Monday. But because Halloween is tomorrow, um, we should review some spookiness. I guess yeah. decision to leave is technically spooky it's adjacent. I will say the scariest thing that has happened to me all Halloween was when I was <laughs> exited. I had finished seeing decision to leave and was walking back to the parking ramp where I was parked. And there was a massive line of college students waiting to get into a bar and they were all dressed up in costumes and all of the young women were not wearing coats. No, so scary. I kind of fucked up yesterday because I had gone into my head that we weren't going to celebrate. I don't know why. Just because like no one had contacted me to be like, there's a party this year or anything like that. So I was like, cool, we're not doing costumes this year. Like maybe we'll get together but we won't do costumes. And then I got like two different group texts yesterday uh, that were like, we're going out and not only are we going out, we're doing costumes. And like, apparently people had gotten costumes. I was like, you motherfuckers, nobody gave me a heads up. So I had to like frantically go through my closet. So I just like pulled together from clothes. I already have. I was like, I'm going as Daria. Fuck Uh it. I'm going as Daria. Um, so I did that, but I was really committed to being Daria and Daria does not wear tights. So I was wearing like a longer skirt, thank God, but, and combat boots, but my shins were freezing and it was not fun. And I was like, motherfucker, I'm never, never again. Am I doing a character that wears a skirt during Halloween? Um, so speaking of Halloween, I saw Halloween ends. Ooh, yeah, and I did too, out of a sense of, Ooh. well, you watched it and I have nothing else going on. I had to watch it because I went on to a podcast to review it. And I just, the first thing I said was, I feel bad that I was so mean to Halloween kills. <laughs> and I've heard on quite a few podcasts, some people were saying Halloween ends is not good, but it's better than Halloween kills. Strongly disagree. See, I have uh, not seen Halloween kills 
but I certainly have no intention of seeing it having watched Halloween ends. <laughs> I mean, all you have to know is we had Judy Greer in Halloween Kills, and now we don't have Judy Greer anymore. Uh, so yes. it's already downgrade, right? At least in Halloween Kills, we had a murder house that Jamie Lee Curtis's character had constructed to trap Michael, which I actually thought was a clever idea. Yeah. Um, but in Halloween Ends, it is just, it's bad. Like, I really struggled to find anything nice to say. And ultimately, what I landed on was, I'm really glad that Jamie Lee Curtis got to, like, see the franchise off. You know, <laughs> like, it felt satisfying just, like, if you're a fan of hers to be like, you fucking did that girl. You did that for so long. And I like you a lot and I'll basically watch you in anything. Um, but other than my, you know, abject fondness for Jamie Lee Curtis, almost nothing positive yeah. to say about this film. Strongly anti-record. I, uh, I, I definitely agree. I feel like the best thing about the movie was the first, what, like 10 minutes five minutes <laughs> which would have made a nice little short like uh, you know what yeah that thank you for reminding me of that the one nice thing i can say is the opening of the film is really solid and i was telling meredith i'm like i almost wish that had just been a short because like it is so effective without spoiling it um it is and also, then it's just yeah and being a genuine horror short also made me laugh out loud um, yeah. And I think deliberately, I think it is supposed to be like, you're feeling both. You're like, holy shit. And also like, ha, huh, you know, which is some of my favorite scares, you yeah. know? Um, um, and there was just something I, and I really want to mention this because it made me so angry. And I think there's, um, this is something I've been noticing in studio films more lately as I've watched. Um, there was absolutely no, chemistry whatsoever between the lead actress the the Jamie Lee Curtis's granddaughter and this like main dude who's kind of like gets followed through the movie and has encounters with Michael and blah 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 um I have a question and about also his... I was like but so why I just couldn't understand why they thought this was the story they needed to yeah. pursue I didn't understand what she was supposed to see in this kid like well, why there was like just none of it was believable to me and I have seen a couple other movies which of course are now escaping me uh but I know that I have had this thought where I'm expected to believe I'm expected to have sympathy for a lead male character which like obviously there's your first problem but uh mm -hmm. I'm supposed to not only have sympathy, but I'm supposed to believe that there that someone who is an otherwise intelligent woman wants to be with them. Uh, yeah, my question was: so the the granddaughter is Allison, and this new character, his name is Corey. He's played by Rohan Campbell, who oof, I I like just did not connect with that performance at all. And I like to Rohan's credit, um, maybe it was just like you know, because it was so poorly written, but I strongly agree. Like there are scenes I'm like, I feel nothing. And also I have a question. Is he supposed to be sexy? Because, because you, no. <laughs> you just convinced me that this is like the biggest loser to ever walk the face of the earth, which by the way, I'm like so over screenwriters indicating that someone's a loser because they're a mechanic. I'm like, so he has 
a practical skill and he can fix things. So I'm to believe that he has failed in life. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just such a weird, like coastal elite example. I don't know. I just, it annoys me where I'm like, but he has an actual skill. He can like fix stuff. That's cool. Anyway. Um, so like he gets the shit beaten out of him routinely by the marching band who in this universe are the cool kids, I guess, which I it feels like a screenwriter attempting to make a joke where they're like, this guy is such a loser that the marching band beats him up. Although to be fair, as someone who grew up in a small town in the Midwest, where everyone was in the marching band, including the cool kids, mm-hmm. uh, it did happen. But did they routinely beat the shit out of a guy who like, I mean, he's not like a scrawny dude. No. Like, and also the only, the, punch, at least. the only people who routinely beat uh, anyone up were uh, the marching band members who were also on the football team. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but like they, they go through all this effort to present him as like this total reject from society. What a loser. And then he gets a motorcycle and he's supposed to be hot. I'm like, what is ha- who is this character? <laughs> I know it, it gave me this like the vibes of like an 80s movie where it felt very much like it was supposed to be like a Danny McBride joke as opposed to an right. actual plot. But it gets played so straight that it just doesn't work like if it was vaguely in the vein of like return of the living dead or um, like night of the comet kind of stuff, like maybe I would have thought it was fine, but it's just not funny. It's deeply unfunny. I'll say one nice thing just because I have already anti recommended it, but I did enjoy that. There were a couple moments where they let, Lori be happy you know like Mm -hmm. I I appreciate that she's like pulled her act together she's writing a book she got her hair done you know like she's trying to bake it's not going well but she's trying like it was nice to see her like flirting with someone I did enjoy that Yeah, despite the fact that she is a terrible writer she's working on a memoir (laughs) so I think that's deliberate I think like it's deliberately written badly which is kind of funny um I hope because yeah, Lord, that book sounds terrible. Oh my God. Um, can I make a very strong recommendation, especially, Always. uh, this is one that I had been meaning to watch with my sister and just decided to get to it. I believe it's on Amazon. I know it's on shutter. I told you about it. Uninvited. The 1987 film, a genetically uh-huh. engineered slash mutated ginger cat. <laughs> starts escapes from a lab and start gets onto a yacht and starts killing <laughs> some preppies, uh, some spring breaking preppies and bikini babes and two white collar criminals who are on the run from the SEC. I gotta watch this tonight. You need to, like yeah. I know, <laughs> I know you had described it to me, but for whatever reason, you're just rehashing it now. I'm like, oh my god! That, I mean, that sounds amazing. Yeah, uh, it has uh, now. It has young Rob Estes, who you might recognize from a stint on Melrose Place, or if you're a little bit older like me and had a TV in your basement, the USA uh, sexy uh, detective series, Silk Stockings. Oh my God, my parents watched that show, I think. Oh yeah, I'm (laughs) sure they did. Uh, It's like sexy Miami detectives and a lot Uh of high-cut bikinis. Yes, uh, this, it is... It's just un 
unbelievable. Like one of the most ridiculous, most glorious, low budget, uh, schlocky horror films I may have ever seen. It's like, I was screaming with happiness at its like oh, ineptitude and hilarity. And it's a, it's like a, you will, I just, I need more people to watch it because I need to have a conversation about the monster design and exactly what they do because I don't know that I've ever experienced something quite like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's exciting. Yeah. So yeah I'll definitely check strongly, it out. Strongly, strongly recommend. This is like, if you are the kind of person who likes really ridiculous, like, perfect bad 80s horror you you just need to watch it amazing um i also want to recommend dark glasses which i saw the other day um dario argento's new film um i also want to strongly recommend the soundtrack (laughs) because it like i was texting meredith i'm like this soundtrack is going so hard and it's like in a really surprising way where the soundtrack for me is like a character in the film (laughs) because it is like it gets me so amped in certain scenes where like you know Dario Argento is an amazing director I think I'm a fan of his he's effectively directing the scenes but I really feel like that soundtrack is a driving force to heightening the tension of some well, he is a he is a director who understands the power of an absolutely like monster soundtrack i mean the goblin score to suspiria anyone like oh yeah this is this is a guy who knows what he wants to have like he knows what kind of music he needs to make a movie work and that is very awesome yeah and i was a little nervous because Again, we won't give away any spoilers or anything, but the central protagonist of Dark Glasses is a a young woman named Diana who's a sex worker. And I believe the screenplay is by a man. Um, So I was a a little nervous about that, but I think actually it's done pretty well. Like, I I don't think there's any kind of like shaming going on. She's a, a full character. She has a personality. I thought the actress, uh, Elenia Pastorelli, did a a great job. Um, There's also a kid in this film, and we all know how I feel about child actors. Um, But I thought he was great. Um, And I really thought their relationship was oddly sweet, considering this is a, a horror slasher film. And usually we don't get any, like kind of like sweet relationships <laughs> in a film like that. And I think they actually have a, a couple really like tender, sweet scenes. And also there's an A plus dog in this oh, film as well. Gotta love an A plus dog in any movie. A plus plus. Yeah. So I recommend it. I thought it was super fun. Um, is that the word I want to use? Fun. It's like really engaging. And I was impressed and happy about what the the quote-unquote twist is or the reveal at the end because like I feel like it could have been ridiculous and actually it's almost like very practical (laughs) without giving anything away but I was sort of just like oh yeah that that is what would happen okay yeah, yeah yeah um and it actually made everything feel like way more real and like there were actually like uh some stakes at the end that I found the ending to be like very satisfying nice nice um, I, I just have not gotten to it yet, but I do plan on watching it. It's 
I've been a little bit busy the last couple of weeks with work stuff and keeping my dog entertained. And that has meant that I have not had time to pay attention to anything with subtitles, which is always a disappointing, but valid. How did you feel about VHS 99? Oh, so yeah, that's one. I thought it was amusing. There were a couple that I enjoyed. Uh, there were a couple I thought were real duds. Um, you know, my biggest frustration was that I felt like a lot of the, I felt like they were, they, they kind of questionably tackled the assignment in terms of like actually making things identifiably 1999. And that's such, yeah. such a thing for me who just turned 40 to say, but you know, there were moments where I thought, Oh God, like this is more 1990. Like it all felt too 1996 to me. Absolutely. Like there were a couple moments where I could tell like it had been written by somebody younger. Cause I'm like, this is like your idea of what 99 was, but yeah, it feels a little too early yeah, or a little bit Having too said late. That, I thought that bitch cat yes. band that was sort of like haunting this abandoned all ages venue. Um, they were supposed to be from 1995, but their aesthetic was entirely 2005. Yes, 100%. Um, and that just like, it's not really a nitpick because it like, it just jumps out to you when you live through the era because it's like you have so much familiar familiarity, however you say that word, with uh, that era that you can't help but notice like different, like little fashion flaws or like, you know, no. using the wrong jargon. Um, but I'll say like, just consider it like a nineties, maybe early two thousands era. And I really liked that beginning, uh, the band yeah. one where they go to the venue that I, I thought all of those characters were like spot on tonally and they were very fun to watch. Like, yeah. interact. well, and I, I absolutely, in one sense, they like, they dress one of the, you know, they put one of the boys uh, in makeup and a skirt. And I was like, oh my God, he looks just like how my friends did when we dressed them up to go to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, right. And it really, so I, I did have my moments of, of recognition. Uh, it works much better if it's a nostalgia, like if you recognize that there's no real standout this time around and it's a nostalgia comedy rather than supposed to be scary. But I do agree with you. It's like very, very uneven. And I was spacing out during large parts of certain chapters of it. So I, I would say like I give it a light recommendation. Yeah. Like if you're at home and you want to stream something um, and you're okay like spacing out <laughs> occasionally, yeah. um, it's it's a completely harmless recommendation. Yeah. Well, and frankly, if Shudder wants to keep dropping one of these every Halloween. Totally fine with it. I'm, I think that's great. Yeah. They've got the money and they're like trying out um, interesting directors. Like they're giving them the chance to sort of flex their muscles. I think that's great. It's um, a really clever no. way to present, yeah, new directors to an audience. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, a great sort of, as you said, introduction where it's like, yeah, maybe you can't get funding to do your full feature yet, but you can direct um, an anthology for, yeah. for Shudder. And that's really exciting. Like yeah. what an opportunity. Yeah. Well, and, and when you think about some of the people, given how many people who have done installments of different VHS films, uh, 
have gone on to other things. I mean, Chloe Okuno did the wraparound, um, the wraparound uh, segment for um, VHS 1994, and Watcher is a great movie. So we're already seeing some of these directors like getting more opportunities and then, you know, really making the most of them. So I just love that Shudder is like putting the effort in. And I think um, there's, it's worth seeing if there's something that you enjoy, put it, you know, jotting those names down in your little mental Rolodex and then keeping an eye out if they're um, with, you know, a full length from them shows up on a, IFC Midnight or Neon or A24 sometime down the line. Yeah, you're really good at that. I need to get better at that. Just like remembering when I have seen a director like <laughs> when they were just starting out. Because oftentimes I'm like never seen anything by them. And I check IMDb and I'm like, I totally saw something by them, but I forgot their name. I know. Well, um, that's why you have me. I am your walking. You are. And also now I have Letterbox too. So I'm like, I feel like I just didn't have a central location to keep track of everything that I had seen. And like, Truly last night I was at a bar talking to someone and he was like, what horror films have you seen recently? Which is like such a me question that you think I would have like an answer in the chamber immediately. And I had to pull out my letterbox to be like one second, one second, but at least I could like scroll and be like this, 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 and this. Um, but yeah, very, his eyes got wide and he was like, do you watch anything else? Yeah. He was like, <laughs> what? And I was like, I review them for my podcast. And he was like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, also got to recommend a bunch of horror films to my driver and he was so excited. And when I got out, he was like, thank you for all the recommendations. I'm going to watch them. I'm like, amazing. I love this. I want this to be my full-time job recommending horror films to people. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of which barbarian is on HBO max. If you haven't hey. watched it yet, go and enjoy it. We did in fact, spoil the whole thing. However, <laughs> it's still worth watching because it's so satisfying. You also might not have listened to the episode because you didn't want to hear spoilers, which is valid, but yeah, do you go watch it again? I'm going to go watch it again. It's so fucking good. Um, any other recommendations? I, I feel bad recommending this one because you recommended it to me, but uh, you recommended a, a film called Lure to me. Um, oh, yes, The Lure. Uh, please talk about it because I saw I've seen it a few times, but not recently. So, yeah, it's a, a modern take on The Little Mermaid, <laughs> the the myth of it. Um, and. I guess like slightly altered in the sense that it's sisters um, who are mermaids, but they're trying to like, you know, um, they want to be in the human world. So they become like a lounge act <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, everything that comes with like working in the nightlife, they like, um, or at least one of the the little mermaids falls in love with a boy and there's all the complications from that. Um, and then they also fucking eat people. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's like carnivorous mermaids in 1980s new wave Poland. It's a real, real vibe. Like I could easily see people being like, I love this or I hated this. And I thought it was weird. I don't understand it. It's like a deeply quirky, weird film that was just so my bag like aesthetically weirdness level that I was like this is like one of the coolest films I've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so pleased that it's it spoke to you because when I saw it I had heard about it and I was like Polish Polish carnivorous Polish vampire mermaid do wave I'm in this is clearly going to be something that I love deeply uh and 
I did. And I'm just so glad that you were able to enjoy it too. Cause it's, if you're a weirdo, if you've enjoyed recommendations, you would probably also very much like this. <laughs> I really like, I respected the fact that they just answered immediately certain anatomical questions mm-hmm. one would have about like, does a, a, a mermaid who become becomes a woman have a vagina? Or, or any kind of like, yeah, like w- w- what's going on down there? And then like the actual visual effect of their tails was like so gnarly. Like they don't yeah. look like the little mermaid tails. Like they're not pretty. <laughs> no, there's, like, there's definitely some like real body horror to it, which I yeah. thought was a really nice, um, just a really nice and like thoughtful way to do it, which made it more fun. Yeah, and I thought the 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 women who play the sisters are like properly creepy. Like they're obviously both very pretty, but then there's like something off about them that mm-hmm. I thought was like really effective. Yeah. And I know that this is entirely because I've spent too much time in Eastern Europe, but like they they nail the Eastern European vibes of it and like a certain element of like creepy aloof Polish women during the winter. Like <laughs> it really spoke right. to me. I was like Oh, yeah. Although I guess if you spent a lot of time in like my old neighborhood in New York, you probably have also seen this. There's a reason why I used to say my favorite game used to be hipster or Eastern European. (laughs) Yeah. And it's very hard to tell sometimes. Oh, yeah. I'm going to let you know. Very hard to tell. Uh, Um, Any other recommendations before we we peace out? No, not at the moment. I, I feel like we've covered everything that I was really excited about. Awesome. So please follow Meredith everywhere. Letterboxd. Twitter, Meredith L. Clark. Follow me. Same places. Allison Kilkenny. It's just our name, guys. So easy to remember. Uh, if you're a fan of the show and you want to keep it going, I guess, go to patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny for as little as $5 a month. You can support the show, support my guest hosts whenever they come on so I can pay them. You know, keep the lights on, keep the, the hosting site up. It's all maintenance. Um, and or you could go to uh, lighttreason.news. That's the website. And smash the donate button is another way you can support us. Yeah. Other than that, uh, if you have any recommendations, questions, hashtag lighttreasonpod on Twitter. And yeah, guys, this is the show now. We review stuff. Is everybody okay? Like, I've only gotten positive feedback. So I think everybody's happy with the new format um which i'm very happy about because i don't want to talk about politics every episode again we'll talk about big earth-shattering events yeah but yeah and we'll laugh at our enemies when something bad happens always 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 we will be spiteful on this show oh right guys happy scorpio season get some righteous revenge and uh honor your scorpios in your life Love it. I love ending things on the note, get revenge. Yeah. Um, go outside. If we've taught you nothing else. <laughs> That's right. Go out there and get some revenge. <laughs> Do crime, get revenge. Uh, hashtag light truths and pod. Thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and get revenge. <laughs>